What's up, guys, and welcome to the Beers and Biceps podcast, the podcast that will teach you how to look great with your shirt off while still able to have a nice cold beer on the weekends. I'm your host, Wade Foster. Let's crack open a cold one and get into it. Hello, guys, and welcome back to the Beers and Biceps podcast with me, your host, Wade Foster. In this episode, we have the return of ex-England prop Matt Mullen. And today, Matt and I are talking about his fitness journey from front row forward to fitness model and the stuff that we put in place to get him ready for his first ever photo shoot. Let's get into the show. Yo, dude, how are we? Very good, thank you. How are good, you? Good. Oh, mate, I'm very well, very well. Lovely summer day during lockdown. Can't beat it. Yeah. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't know if I should say this because I feel a bit guilty for this because people are really struggling, but I'm loving lockdown. It's, it's not bad, is it? Like, like, if, if you're in a, a, a nice situation, but like, yeah, because you've got a lot of land, you've got, a, you've got the gym. and uh, Plus, I'm, I tend to be slightly antisocial, so it's a good excuse to be antisocial. That's the issue because you, you got dog. Here you go. This is this right dog before sidetrack to begin with, but dog walker to dog walker. Apparently, there's a code where you have to talk to each other, but really? I don't like talking. Like, if I'm walking the dog, I'm walking the dog, so headphones are in and out. And but I've been, I've been touted as the stroppy dog walker in my area now. What's your, what's your uh, situation on dog walking? Yeah, I don't tend to see too many people on mine. <laughs> Firstly, firstly, I'm in the middle of nowhere, and also I go at about 5.30 in the morning. Uh, true, true. I see the delivery man every morning. I give him a little sort of wave. But That's about it. That's your interaction. Yeah. So, because you, you've obviously seen Atlas, so Big Benny's Mountain Dog is quite, um, not, there's not many of them about. So, obviously, a lot of people go, oh, what breed is your dog? He's lovely. He's gorgeous. I'm like, I just, I just want to just want to do my dog walk. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to get on my dog walk. But apparently, there's a code that dog walkers must talk to each other now but hey i didn't i didn't know that one when i got the dog <laughs> I'm, also, I'm also really really strict on dog training i know you are i know yeah yeah so if, if i stop and their dogs are messing around and my dogs start messing around it stresses me out uh, i'm okay. trying to keep mine to behave yeah so that's part of the reason why i just put my head down and plan just on. go yeah Grump, grumpy man walking through no one talked to me <laughs> <laughs> so in beers and biceps tradition mm. What drink have we got today, sir? I've gone for a cocking leg cider. Cocking leg cider. Very, very nice. It tastes oh, delicious. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that's what I might have to invest. So I made the rookie error of announcing on Instagram I was dieting now. Therefore, I have, I have the very low-calorie gin and tonic to stay in. Stay in. <laughs> well, you're, you're, actually, you're actually my coach who's put me on a three-week diet. So. <laughs> Three, three-week diet, but mate, do you want to do a podcast and have a beer? Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You do some cardio in the morning. We're all good. <laughs> right. So to begin with, like on every podcast we do, we're going to have the quick fire round. Well, these might not be quick fire because I reckon you're going to have to think on a couple of them, but it's just questions that are a bit amusing to us. So. First one, if you were a WWE superstar, what would your intro music be? So that's a tough question, isn't it? Gangster's Paradise. Oh, yes, Coolio. Nice, yeah. nice. I can imagine your look would be like you get some, some chains, some baggy jeans on, shuffling down the ramp. Put up. 
<laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Then here we go. All right. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? No. <gasps> oh, controversial out the gate, but I like no. it. I like it. Very Christmassy because of the snow. Well, it's set Christmas Eve. Nah, I just... But, it's, uh, but it is very action-orientated. There's no Christmas really in it. So Die Hard's like... rubbish compared to Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> oh, again, ethically controversial. But it has got Sam Jackson, to be fair. And Sam Jackson's a bit of a baller. Are you, a fo- are you into films? Yeah. Yeah. So what... Yeah, I might love are you Die Hard or Die Hard with a Vengeance? I would probably go Die Hard. I would probably, because I like Alan Rickman though. I really like Alan Rickman. Okay. And, and him as Hans Gruber makes it for me. And he's one of my favorite actors. So, so I like Alan Gruber. Right, then last question, the big one. Three people, alive or dead, who you'd have round for a beer and a barbecue? Michael Jordan. After the documentary recently, yeah. I like it, I like it. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you what's been good about that is I've been obviously watching the thing and some reason Netflix has put it together. So Finn has been watching Space Jam. <laughs> yes, good old Space Jam. I've been, it's an excuse for me to sit down and watch Space Jam. Uh, Space Jam's a great film. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'd be number one. Yeah. Um, I'd go someone influential political what so like Nelson Mandela or Winston Churchill yeah. or something like that yeah I think that'd be epic um, delving into that realm would be epic yeah and then maybe the queen yeah yeah that's real left field I like that I like that a lot yeah just would... no one else be able to say they've had a beer and a barbecue with the queen that is quite that is quite a good claim to fame that to be fair that is quite a good claim to fame. Well, yeah, to the Queen, Queen Elizabeth round for a beer and a barbecue, you know? That's some chicken, chicken thighs and that type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Make her eat without a knife and fork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Right. So, moving into to the, to the podcast part of the podcast. So, title of this podcast is From Front Row to Fitness Model. And for people who haven't seen Matt's Transformation, it is exceptional one of the best i have seen if not the best going from his england front row days to the fitness model photo shoot we did back in december yeah yeah back in december um but i want to start with the front row stuff i want to start talking a bit about your your rugby career um some questions in that that more more ones that i want to know just out of pure curiosity um but also then around the fitness and nutrition and stuff around the rugby's. But face some nutrition questions. You were you were loosehead, weren't you? Yeah. Who was the toughest prop you went up against? See, this is quite difficult to talk about because um, across my career, the scrum laws changed a lot. Yeah. So when I first started, it was the old school sort of smashing guy, just, just charge in. Yeah. And then there were the old school guys around, like Julian White. Cobus Visagi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all, all these really hard, grisly old people that yeah. the young pup coming up, if you sort of went in, had one good scrum and caught them off guard, the next 80 minutes was torture. <laughs> um, then you got um, the other end of the spectrum, like the really, really big guys. Yeah. Sort of like Census Johnson. 
or James Johnson, like both at 145 kilos. And you're just literally hitting a brick wall. Um, and then obviously across the years, it gets the gap got reduced and there was the touch, take it yeah. away. And there was the bind, keep your arm out. So that changed the dynamic of it slightly. Um, especially being a that, bit smaller. Did that affect you scrummaging then? Where were you a better scrummager early on or later on when the, when the rules changed? Yeah, it was difficult because being smaller than these guys, you could use your speed across that space mm. with the gap. Most people would think if a big guy's got momentum, then he's got the ascendancy. Yeah. But as a smaller guy, you could catch them quicker because you could use your speed across that space to mm. catch them. Mm. When it's static and you're that close that your heads are touching, mm. if someone's 140 kilos, you're just never going to move them. No. So it completely changed it. Um, I had to change shape. I had to change the way I trained on the back of the scrum laws changing. Yep. So did you, did you have to put on weight then? Yeah. So when I first started playing, I was about anywhere between sort of 110 and 113 kilos. That's small for a prop. Yeah. But also back then you only had two front row people on the bench. So mm. I would often either cover loose head and hooker or sit on the bench as loose head and uh, hooker. I didn't cover. know you covered hooker. Were you throwing pins in? Were you? Yeah. I used to hate it. Were you, were you really good? No, cause I didn't, I'd never played hooker at, age group rugby yeah but because it was my way of trying to get into a match day squad because it traditionally it was you'd have a hooker and yeah. then a loose head and a, a tight yeah. head available um so i was the option of stick a tight head on the bench and then you can have a loose head slash hooker yeah but if i then started i tended to play 80 minutes yeah so Did being a bit, and a bit yeah. small yeah well being a bit smaller it allowed me to play 80 minutes yeah those, those guys that are 135 kilos at tight head don't tend to no, you I'll be blowing like out my out my ass after that in that weight. Yeah. So and then as things got more static and the scrum laws changed, I then had to get bigger, get a bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to try and change the way you played the game while staying as fit or as mobile around the park. Mm-hmm. And so what weight did you got, get up to? I got up to 118. Was the heaviest I played at. 118. And would that would 118 still have been considered smaller? Yeah. I mean. Loose heads tend to be a bit smaller, but you could mm. easily have got up to one, two, five. Yeah. Playing loose head, yeah. I, I just, I was never naturally, I couldn't stay at 118 easily at all. Wasn't, yeah, it was hard for you to get the food in. It was hard to get food in, but also the amount of running. And also, yeah. it was kind of fake weight. I wasn't meant to be 118. Yeah. Like on match day, I'd probably weigh in. Like we used to call it scrum weight. We eat a lot on a Friday and Saturday. <laughs> but, just more food volume and water retention, and you're basically a bit heavier. Basically, I like that. So, what, so you were you weighed in on match days then? Yeah, mainly from a recovery point of view. So you'd weigh in in the change room, play the game, and then weigh in post game to see sort of fluid recovery yeah. strategies for the next day. Um, but again, I, I sometimes would lose over two kilos. It's mainly water. Just, I mean, I'm oh. sweaty anyway. But yeah, but it wasn't natural weight. No, no, not at all. It's basically, you're just trying to put what food you can in your body night before to give you any type of a weight of because and again in a scrum, weight moves weight. Same yeah. with a lot of my lot of, when obviously me moving into strongman now, you need to be bigger because at the end of the day, weight moves more weight. So obviously you having those, those sort of higher carb, larger meals on a Friday before a, for a match day, you know, potentially give you any type of edge you can get. Yeah. Next question I've got more rugby related as well is who's the hardest hitter? Who did you line up again when, like, when you, if you were making it, you're going, oh, fuck, this is going to hurt. 
I'm not sure if there's people, because you don't tend to get that opportunity when you catch the ball, you don't look up and think, I'm running that way because he's there. <laughs> um, I remember someone that you wouldn't necessarily think of. He's an all-black, so he's a pretty good yeah. player. But we played against Toulon for a couple of years in a row in the Heineken Cup. Okay. And um, we were out there for, it may have been a quarter-final or group stage match, um, but Chris Masoe, the number six, yeah, literally like tackling granite. Like you, you'd think, oh yeah, I've got a good shot in here, and it, you just you just get up and you just like, what is that? Just hitting a brick wall. Yeah, like nothing else. It doesn't even to look at. It's not physically that impressive or that imposing. Mm-hmm. And a really nice guy, just goes about his business. Not a flair player or anything, just, but honestly, like tackling granite. <sighs> Mate, I'm happy my rugby days are way behind me. I also, um, <laughs> thankfully, I was playing with him at the time, but one of the biggest hitters, again, as an South Sea Islander, but uh, an all black, was Chris, um, was Sam Tutupo. Oh, yeah. Oh, mate. Oh, yeah. You take people's heads off. But thankfully, he was on my team. So, but getting involved in any of those, like, just, it's all, it, all, it is all those Pacific Islander boys. There's some, they put someone in the food over there, don't they? There's something, there's something different going on over there where they're just immense. It's corned mm. beef and taro. Because <laughs> what about the um, what about the two Langies? Oh yeah, I mean, Henry was. I mean, all of them. Yeah, Alexander down the. Alexander playing wing. <laughs> he was heavy. He was got to be your your weight, if not heavier. No, it's heavier. Yeah, I think yeah. him Slim was about one eighteen. On the wing, just whoa. yeah, and then just look at Manu. Yeah, Manu's not a small boy. Manu is one of the most impressive, powerful athletes you could come across. Really? Yeah, the sort of bloke that walks around the gym and is like, oh, what's on the bar? Do my warm up. And you're like, that's my two rep max. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of guy. <laughs> a real moral booster. Going, oh, cheers, mate. Thanks for that. Don't worry about it. Like, I'll just sit here squatting this while you rep it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, a fucking, mate, I'm happy, happy. My days of getting pummeled to the ground on dry hard. At least your pitches were probably not too bad, to be fair. Yeah. That's a saving grace. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then moving on to, to like nutrition, right? Going from Worcester Wasps, well, Wasp Worcester. Worcester, Worcester Wasps. Wasps. Worcester Wasps, then obviously the England setup. Did you see the nutrition throughout your career evolve? Or was it always... I know we've spoken about it before and stuff, but a bit more like from when you started at 18 to when you were sort of like obviously the um, tour of New Zealand and the different levels. Was there a more more um, awareness around nutrition? Yeah, there definitely was more awareness. I think it's still behind where it needs to be. But I mean, when I was 18 playing at Worcester, it used to be like a basket of Jaffa cake muffins and stuff out at lunchtime. <laughs> Like just casually around, there was no, there was no element of advice from a nutrition point of view. I mean, this is going back to two thousand and five, two thousand and six. So it's a long time ago now. And then across that period of time, that long though, really, like really, it's not that. I don't know, but then, so then there was a bit of a, a wave of um, trying to control elements of your diet mm-hmm. without giving you the education. So the idea was that some of the clubs started it if they could feed you three times at the club obviously that's three out of your five meals roughly a day yeah so they've got an element of control of what you're eating 
Uh, they, yeah. yeah, so um, but they wouldn't educate you so much. Then obviously when you get to um, an England camp, there is better quality of provision. Was the was the nutritionist in England there? Yeah, they. But again, it's similar premise. If you were at a camp for eight weeks, they'd probably come in one or two days at the beginning of every week. Mm. As we're at a club, you probably get access to a nutritionist one day every four to six weeks. So that's what I found when I was doing my masters. So my um my lecturer, a guy called James Fleming, um, he's England women's nutritionist, and I was chatting to him about it, and he was like, "Yeah, mate, I go in once every three months." Yeah. If, if they go on a camp, I go in one, one day of the camp to do yeah. body fat testing, try and get whatever information I can across, but you can't get a lot across in a day. No, so the, the first premise of a nutritionist coming into a rugby squad is to test body fat. Yeah. And that gets sent back to the coaches and the conditioners. Mm-hmm. So say, for example, I, it falls on different priority lists. So for me being smaller my body fat always got pushed to the back of the queue because there was get bigger, get bigger, get bigger. Yeah. If you have to get a bit soft and a bit fluffy to get there, doesn't matter too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and equally, it would always, obviously, the first and foremost priority is your performance on the pitch. Always, yeah. Yeah, so if, you, if you're performing well and you're a bit fat, they don't tend to care too much I within reason. Yeah. I can think of a couple of players on top of our head. <laughs> well, yeah, but also, but they would have things like Fat Club to try and help you. They'd give you some extra conditioning and shaming, just shaming in the, in the elite rugby system. Fat Club, yeah. I love it. Like six or seven blokes sat on a spin bike at seven in the morning before the other boys come in. <laughs> That's all it is. Um, yeah, so if you fell outside your boundaries of either body fat or size, mm-hmm. if you were being too small or too big. That's when a conversation would happen. Mm. But again, you're not, you haven't got regular contact. So there was never really, really detailed information or detailed plans sent away with you for. So did you care? Not initially. No. Not you did, you did, like nutrition wasn't even a thought. You were just not really. eating to fuel your body or like just, just eating intuitively? I always had a bit of an interest, mm-hmm. but it tended to be from listening to podcasts or reading magazines and stuff. Yeah, but there was one one thing that put it together for me was I had quite a bad injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I re-dislocated a shoulder that I'd already had operated. It was kind of yeah, it was kind of on the verge of if this happens again, you may end up having to retire. Yeah, I think I was about 24, 25 at the time, and there was an Aussie guy at the at Worcester at the time, and he was talking to me about it, and he basically said, "Look, are you doing enough rehab? Are you doing enough prehab?" Are you looking after your body with what you eat? Are you doing this? And I was like, no, what's all that sort of thing? Really naive, really naive. Almost a bit cocky about, well, every rugby player has an operation. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost like a a battle wound that you wore and it was part and parcel of day-to-day life. Um, And he he just, he opened my eyes saying, your career is probably only going to be X amount of years. You have one body. And then not only that, what about your body post rugby you want to have kids you just had a kid like whatever it was and you want to be able to do this and so he completely changed my whole mindset to being what being a professional sportsman should be mm. so that's a, it's an interesting look into the professional sportsman world like obviously because my background has always been fitness right for, for as long as i know as long as my adult life I've always been fitness eating eating right and stuff like that 
So looking up to elite England rugby players, right? Elite rugby players, like idols at the time. Actually, go, you guys didn't really know what you should be eating, how you should look after your bodies, and you weren't even getting educated. It's just mental, the realisation of it, the fact that this elite... It's probably improved net, up till now, I imagine it's like it's improved greatly, probably the days there are now. But it's, we're only talking sort of, what, 10 years ago? Yeah, but even two years out from me finishing, the best influence I ever had on my diet and the biggest response I saw from my physique, but also my performance on the pitch, came from seeking outside help. I went to see Rich Gosdecki, who, yeah. yeah, who I knew through my agent. Yeah. They're, they're best friends. And we literally had a casual meeting at Nando's in Leamington Spa. And he asked me to produce this food diary, offered me some really impartial advice, didn't alter my training or anything, just purely put a structure in place about how to eat to fuel the amount of training I was doing. Mm. So things like an intra workout shake for weights and units. Yes. In the morning, you do an hour of weights and an hour of units. You're on your feet for two hours. So yeah. I, had a, I had an intra workout for that. Then I had a different intra workout for the on field session. And then I had my meals planned out for me. My physique changed within two or three weeks. Literally. Had um, you had to avidly go and search that help, though? Yeah. Yeah. It's mental, mental, that sort of level. So you're saying stuff like intra workout nutrition, you felt was one of the big things that helped you. No, so I think I think it was actually having a structure. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I remember, um, I remember going for this meal, and he said you're under eating to a degree. Obviously, I was carrying body fat, but he's like, right, we need to give you this amount of calories, but it needs to look like this, not sporadically across the week. Have what you want. Jaffa cakes here and there, you know. That's well, or like <laughs> Thursday night, go out for a pizza, whatever it was, or yeah. post game, literally eat the house out of whatever's in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gave me a structure and he could tell that I was really nervous about it because I didn't want to be a fat prop. Yeah. I've always been a fit prop and mobile. So the idea was to try and get bigger, but lean. Mm-hmm. I actually got the leanest I ever was whilst playing and the heaviest I ever was. Why you started eating more? Well, he, he initially said, right, I'm going to be semi-conservative. I'm going to put you on this amount of calories. Mm-hmm. But it's going to look like this. Mm-hmm. And the shakes were all in place. There was structure around what I was eating, even like pre game day mm-hmm. um so yeah it just massively helped it completely opened my eyes to what i probably should have done five years before that's mental is which, which one owns the uh is it work, the workout, workout meal? Meal, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 oh mate he's a good he's a good lad he's been out on body power a few years so yeah he's a good good guy he's good. unbelievably nice guy he's good really, person really to easy. seek out to be fair very good person to seek out well he's, he's um he's a really hard worker oh. so i think we we resonated on a personal level as well and mm. i can't speak highly enough of him and mm. the way that he went out his way to help me for next to nothing really just yeah to... she's obviously just lovely touch and obviously boosted your so was this let's put this into coaching was this pre new zealand tour or around new zealand no, tour it would have time? Been, it would have been post post yeah maybe a year after. year or so after new zealand tour mm. and so would, would you say new zealand tour was the highlight of your career Anytime you play against the All Blacks, it's up there. It's yeah. really, really special. The things like the hacker and stuff and what it means. But I think, I think maybe the highlight would have been going to Australia and winning 3-0. Yeah. What, what year was that? 
2016, I think, the summer. 2016. It was all the chat before. I think England had only won two tests, maybe, in Australia. Yeah. And we went there and won 3 0. I'm trying to think who was playing 2016. Was that like Quay Cooper, James O'Connor, and stuff like that? Uh, Foley was at 10. Yeah. Genya was at 9. Yeah. I'm trying to think of their team. Ash- Ashley Cooper would have been 13 or wing, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So good, so good, good Aussie team. Pocock. There was that time, remember that clip of Haskell running over the top of Pocock in that tackle? <laughs> yeah. That, that, that was, was the, the tour. In Brisbane. That was the tour. Bloody Hask. <laughs> yeah. He gets everywhere, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, mate, that's good. I, to be fair, a 3 0 win over. I forgot about that one, to be fair. Yeah, it's not a bad one. So, then with, with elite level training there, what sort of structured routines were you guys under in, in the weight room? Not necessarily skills, skills practice, but in the weight room. Was it um, really structured or was it more loosely? What sort of stuff were you guys doing? Now, so the difficulty with rugby is the, the season. Yes. So say, say you finish in May, whether that's the 10th of May or the 31st of May, depending on where you finish in the league. Yeah. Uh, you always have sort of four or five weeks. It always used to be four or five weeks. Now it's mandatory five weeks away from the club. So every player in the in the league gets it now as a mandatory block, like a summer holiday. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So depending on where you finish and when that starts, you'd come back in and probably have anywhere between six or seven weeks of pre-season up to yeah. about 10. Just put out there, during those, during those five weeks, how many guys got out of shape? Like horrendously out of shape. Yeah, so... Back in the day, it used to be obligatory to do it. <laughs> just just every, everyone did it. Everyone got out of shape. Yeah. And, the, and the old adage from the old guys when you were young was, come back and do your worst ever bleep test on day one. <laughs> so it looked like you had this really amazing pre-season. Oh, yeah, I'm with you, yeah. Just yeah. fuck up the first one so it looks like you've really improved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, who, um, who was the worst? Who, who did the worst transformation over pre-season like, that you can remember? What? Over so not preseason over the time off the off season I don't know don't know what what start what club started to do as it got more and more professional yes that how was, people were just coming well, back well they test you they test you say a week or two before the end of the season oh yeah or get your final result of either fitness or fat test yeah and then give you a target to come back by and either fine you or punish you in some way. <laughs> Like, I would just take the punishment hands down. I'd be like, fuck it, I'm going to really enjoy these five weeks. Eat what I want, drink what I want, take the fine or whatever, and then just, just run with it. Well, the best bit is sometimes, especially if you're in one of those bottom eight teams and you finish a bit earlier because you don't make the playoffs, <laughs> you, um, you tend to have your preseason broken up in, into either two or three blocks. You get another week off somewhere. Yeah. Um, so a lot of clubs put it on the line that if you're not in X amount of shape by that week, so you see boys switch off for five weeks, go on holiday two yeah. or three times and literally eat and drink whatever they want. And then it's this mad race for three or four weeks to do every single extra bit of training and diet hack they can just to make that next week off. <laughs> I love I that. Know. I love that. I love that. Because I, I mean, I'd be the same. Because obviously yeah. rugby season's gruelling. It's gruelling rugby season, especially at that, that level. So to get five weeks... because like. I remember hearing some things that Tyndall said back then. Like, they, they didn't get time off. No. So when you start, when you started, was it time off mandatory or was it? No, it wasn't. Time, it was all discretionary from the club. Yeah. yeah. 
That's mental that you had no time off. I mean, admittedly, it's an amazing career, but like, you still need time to unwind and switch off. Yeah, because if say you have a seven-week preseason, you have two or three games in end of August. Yeah, Premiership season starts the first weekend of September, and then you're basically on it till May. You get the odd weekend off if you don't make an LV Cup final or something. Yeah, or if you're not in the European Cup, yeah, or something. Yeah, but yeah, you're all the way through till May. Hmm. We sidetracked. We well, sidetracked. That, that, that's the issue of um, training. training. Yeah. I was just saying, we sidetracked massively there, but back onto the training. Think about it. You've only kind of got a seven week window to make any gains. And you, so, you, you, is, that your, is that your pre season were you claiming? Or was that off season? Yeah, so when you're back at the club for pre season, mm-hmm. that's when things like your strength or your hypertrophy, you kind of get pushed into either brackets. So if you're a big 135 kilo bloke, they don't want you to get bigger. No. They want you to get strong. Yeah. to get fit yeah. and then so they try to push you into certain directions but then when you're in season so you played 80 minutes on a saturday you're still sore come monday i mean you're probably still sore some wednesday aren't you it depends who it is but yeah sometimes but so you, you do a weight session but sometimes it's more of a recovery flush out type mm-hmm. thing on the monday mm-hmm. tuesday you do your units and weights together in the morning yeah be a biggish lifting day but even then if you're doing legs on that Tuesday, you're probably looking at strength rather than anything else. So what about your three, your five reps and stuff like that? Yeah, like three yeah. sets of three or maximum five sets of five, that sort of day. And was it, was it full body or was it like, were you doing upper, lower? Or... Depends on the conditioner. So Really, yeah. Probably go upper on the Monday, mm-hmm. lower on the Tuesday, day off Wednesday. Thursday would be more of a power slash performance type day. Mm-hmm. Whole body, but very dynamic. Yep. Friday's just a team run. Mm-hmm. Saturday's game day. Late Saturday. So, in terms of progression or trying to improve, limited time. Well, it's like that for thirty-five weeks. Yeah. So what? So what about the guys then that hold the physique? Do they do extra? Some were do extra. To, were you allowed to do extra? Yeah, you can do extra, but again, that comes down to individual. So I had a conditioner come to Wasp that wasn't there when I started. I'd do extra lifting with him to try and get bigger. Mm-hmm. And it helped. It helped massively. But then it's that fine balance between going into a game knackered. Because mm. um, you, you can't miss minutes on the field training because you need to get picked to play. Obviously, yeah. And then you can't not do the units because you need to know the calls of the lineouts and practice scrums. Yep. You've only got X amount of time in the gym. So you have to do your gym probably first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then do you run that risk of being knackered by four o'clock on field? And then accumulation of training over X amount of weeks. So it's, it's quite hard. What's that, mate? That sounds like when you put that, it sounds a lot harder than because a lot of guys are like, you're an elite athlete. Why are you not in exceptional shape? But if you're looking at it, you only got really two sessions to cover because one's a power session, which is probably a lot of um, skill acquisition training. So obviously stuff that you can replicate on a pitch. Um, whereas the upper lower might be your strength, but you only got two sessions to try and make any real significant headway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit of an eye for a lot of people. You go like, because now quite a few of them do hold quite a good physique. But obviously, back in the day, rugby players were known for being a bit out of shape. Yeah. Um, so with the guys, so let's go with who's who's in great nick. That you, Kian Healy. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, you probably like I don't know him that well or anything, but like him, Sean O'Brien, maybe like Sonny Bill, Hask, obviously, who we spoke to. Do they, would they do more? Would they do more of a bodybuilding work outside of rugby? Or was it just genetics, you reckon? 
No, I think there's a combination there. Someone like, I can only speak about Hask. You hear stories yeah. about other people like Kian, yeah. the sort of numbers he lifts in the gym. No. Oh. Well, Sean O'Brien's got farmer strength, isn't he? That's what they all claim. That he's got farmer strength. Yeah, so Kian Healy's impressive in the gym from what you hear. Yeah. But I think most of that is natural. Yeah. Um, he's genetically a strong lad. I think he's strong, yeah. And he, he's actually the same age as me. So he played age group for Ireland against me throughout the. Yeah. So he's always been that sort of physique. Yeah. Um, I can only speak about Hass from first hand knowledge. Yeah. He does a lot more than people think. Yeah. He's not a secret trainer or anything. No. But also, he, he sought expert advice outside of what was available at the club. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very diligent about what he does. Mm-hmm. He put his physique towards the top end of his priorities Yeah, uh, from a young age because I think he got rejected from an age group team for being deemed too small. Mm-hmm. So trying to be a certain size not only aided his performance but was his determination and driving force early on in his career. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, genetically, he's gifted. Like, yeah. I've seen him in crap all the time but still <laughs> reasonable shape but again that comes back to what the, the foundations that he's laid so yeah exactly no I like that I like that so moving on then so we when did we retire was it two year and a half just over a year ago just over a year ago and then we decided to get fit like fit fit what was the um the reason? What was the um, driving force behind the idea to get shredded? Uh, it kind of happened by accident. Love it, love it. <laughs> no, honestly, so there is a bit of a deep and meaningful to this, but the yeah. actual photo shoot bit all happened by accident. Yeah. So throughout my career, I always trained. It was yeah. kind of my stress relief, but also I always undervalued how good I was at rugby. So I always wanted to. You know what? Now that I know you, it doesn't surprise me. Do you know what I mean? Like I can really see, I can see that in you. Where like you, you kind of don't realize how good you were. No, not at all. And I, one of the things that I always wanted to pride myself on was, if I never got picked, it wasn't because I didn't do something or I didn't do an extra session or I'd go out my way to try and train harder than anybody else. Sometimes it wasn't always put in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I could have spent my time wise, more wisely doing something else. But always thought I'd be the hardest worker and never leave myself the uh, the excuse of I didn't quite try hard enough. Mm-hmm. Then, so the training had two aspects, like the driving force and also then the, the stress relief. Mm-hmm. Um, as I was finishing rugby, not only was my body knackered, but I fell out of love with training. Yeah, I didn't have an extra session to go to to try and get picked for England. I didn't have someone breathing down my neck to try and become number one at Wasps. Mm. I didn't really have that want to go and train. Mm-hmm. I suffered really badly with mental health mm-hmm. during that period. I went through a really horrible divorce. Mm-hmm. I see my kids every day, all, all sorts of things. All, all this all happened at once. I remember going to the gym a couple of times with um, people and literally doing one rep or one set and just walking out of the gym. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to be there. And then I had about three months of this. I was drinking way too much, eating way too much. Um, I didn't even look at myself in terms of, oh, my God, I'm a fat mess or anything. Remember, it was Easter, so just over a year ago. And I don't know what happened. I just literally thought, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give myself some structure. I'm going to train. 
So I had this mad blowout for Easter weekend. I had three or four parties in three or four days all at my house. All, all the Easter eggs left, right, and centre. It wasn't even Easter eggs. It was just to clear the house of alcohol and food. <laughs> mate, mate, I did that as well. If I'm ever starting a diet, I've got to go, right, rather than, rather than store any of this or throw it away, let's have a massive do and get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. So, but then that Monday came, and for whatever reason it was, I still don't really know the reason. I just yeah. had this drive to train. Yeah. I had no plan in place. Hadn't gone and sought any help or anything. I just went to my local gym and thought, I'm going to train how I know how to train. And it tended to be sort of crossfitty type cardio, just literally put myself in a world of pain and get as sweaty as I could. Yeah. That's, that's just how I, I used to enjoy that type of training. Yeah. Then I started to, I don't know what it was, say so four, six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, why don't I just keep this going? I need some help with my food. When I sought a coach mm-hmm. for the first time ever. Um, enjoyed the fact that somebody was telling me how to train and what to eat. Mm-hmm. Literally ate exactly the same food for 15 days in a row, I think, <laughs> on the first bit of the plan. Because uh, it was all just macros and yeah. total calories. There was no meal plan. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up spending 12 weeks with that coach. Yeah. Saw a relatively good transformation. Yeah. Um, Realised that I was maybe struggling and didn't know an end point. And if I did have an end point, I wouldn't come out the other side. Mm-hmm. And that's what introduced me to Chris. Mm-hmm. Chris Beeman. Yep. And I actually went to help to get Chris to help coach me to come out the other side yep. and educate on things like reverse dieting. Yeah. I was starting to notice some of my hormones didn't quite feel right. Yeah. All that sort of stuff from being in just a bit of a bad place with not knowing enough. Mm-hmm. And then that put me in touch with you. Indeed it and did. Within two weeks of phoning Chris the very first time, he had convinced me to start my very own training company. <laughs> and then not only work with you, said, you're in semi-decent shape now. You're not that far off having a photo shoot shape. Instead of me reverse dieting you and getting you big, why don't we just book you a photo shoot and it'd be good, good to have one for your business. And that's what I mean by the accident side of it. Yeah. I think we worked together for nine weeks and I had a shoot. We did indeed, and we got you shredded. Like, if anyone hasn't seen the photos, they are just unbelievable. But I love that. So, I, I didn't really, I thought your idea was front row fitness. Was it Chris's? Or was yeah, it a combination? I was trying to do some work experience in a gym. Yeah. So, I rang him about the reverse dieting aspect because I. Was it? I thought it was a business from, gotcha. I, can't how, I can't remember how heavy I was when I started working with you, but say I was 118 down to about 98 or 100 or something. Yeah. Um, I was just feeling small and rubbish and yeah. not even looking that ripped, just felt a bit crappy inside. And I was That like, middle zone, yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah, and then all of a sudden, the next bit happened and I had a shoot. And you, you did indeed, and you absolutely smashed it, which was, which was just I mean, unbelievable for me to be a part of. Like, I remember they got the call, from, he literally called me after he goes, oh yeah, so, so you like, because obviously he knows I'm really into rugby. He was like, yeah, so um, guess what I got the phone to? I was like, mate, like, this could be any Tom, Dick or Harry, like, no idea what's going on. He goes, ah, so do you know, do you know Matt Mullen? I was like, I know a Matt Mullen, like, played for England back in the day, like, you know, this and the other. Yeah, you want to start coaching it? I was like, say so what? Uh, and then obviously had the conversation. I was like, I was like, kid at Christmas. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> And then we got, and then obviously we got the bloody epic transformation out of it. But some things that obviously I think people will find useful going from, so a lot of people that listen to this will potentially be 
your amateur rugby player or your amateur athlete playing on a Saturday, drinking a bit too much, or but just having that sort of life where they're an amateur athlete, but they want to have a have a balance, but they, they want to get in that physique one. Do you know what I mean? They want to they want to look the part of that rugby player. They want to really, really look the part. Be happy to take their shirt off and stuff like that. So from your journey from front row to fitness model, yeah. What would be some top, like maybe top five or top tips you, you'd give and advice you'd give to someone who wanted to embark on a very similar journey, going from potentially a high, high body, body fat percentage, high body weight into the levels of, of sort of six-pack abs? I don't know if I could put them in order as such. Oh, no, it doesn't need to be in order, just, just sort of stuff, stuff off the top well, of your head. Firstly, the, the two things that stand out for me mm-hmm. are... And I think it will be grouped into one thing after I've explained. But whenever anybody speaks to me about that transformation of the pictures and stuff, they're like, oh, how did you do it? You must have been doing this, this and this. And Or I get a text now saying, do you want to meet up? And he'll say, uh, do you want a beer? And you'll be on a kale smoothie or something. And I'm like, <laughs> but working with you in particular, mm. something that was really important to me was uh, a balance to life. Yeah. Now, even the weekend before that shoot, I went out for a Sunday roast. Yeah, you did, yeah. Because I, obviously I, I changed slightly a couple of the choices, but every weekend we worked together for that prep for the shoot, mm. I had a meal out on a Sunday. Mm. And people hardly believe that. And the other thing was, I didn't do cardio until three weeks before the shoot. <laughs> so Reluctantly at that as well. <laughs> well, no, I quite enjoy cardio until I'm on zero calories. And then... <laughs> but they're the two bits that people just can't fathom mm. so i guess grouping that would be the adherence to the plan mm-hmm. so monday to saturday and half of sunday one of the things i i wanted to take pride in was i was a hundred percent on and you were you were like i didn't have one slip up across all that time mm. And that allowed me to do the bit that I needed to do for me. Mm. And it actually made the journey quite easy. I only had one real blip where I'd lost. Which, which one blip in a, in, a, in a photo shoot diet is an unbelievable record. Yeah, when, <laughs> most people lose their head about four or five times. Yeah, but when we say about a blip. <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. No, I literally lost it. <laughs> but the reason I lost it so much was I found it. I found like I was failing because i couldn't quite operate at the same level that i wanted to to give full 100 percent adherence it was a treadmill session mm. it wasn't even i'd eaten six donuts it was <laughs> you'd prescribe a certain amount of work at a certain amount of beats per minute yeah i, I just physically couldn't yeah. do it mm. and the fact i had to report that i couldn't do it almost made me throw the towel in yeah but I was just like, mate, it's cool. Don't stress. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, literally, you were like, whatsoever. Yeah. And then the worst <laughs> bit was, I'd actually told people, but I, I hadn't told anybody for ages. And then yeah, I no. started to tell a couple of people. And you were like, who cares? Just cancel the shoot. It's not worth getting yourself upset about. Yeah. Uh, I've told people we're going to do it. <laughs> I've, I've literally got to do it now. And to be fair, I remember your face in the day when you when obviously because there was a when, when we do photo shoots, uh, so I always make sure I'm there. And uh, I remember when you took the top off, I was like, "Fuck!" Because obviously, there's a very different seeing photos to seeing someone in person. And obviously, the photos are coming through, and I was like, "Fuck it!" He looked like shredded. What, what, what weight were you? Did you get into the eighties or were you ninety? Yeah, I just did. Like, I think that morning of the shoot, eighty nine. Yeah. yeah. So you got to eight, eighty eighty nine with abs is a fucking good weight to be. Um, 
But yeah, so obviously, then, so I've seen the photos. I was like, it looks great, vascular, looks full, looks brilliant, this, that, and the other. Then when you took your top off on the photo today, I was like, fuck, yeah, he is like the dry skin and everything. I was like, fuck. And you're like, and you didn't know how to take that. Why, well, if, how, um, if I thought you'd look better in person than then on photos. So I think that was quite a good moment for you where you actually saw the best Martin, like moment of like, me was the legs. Yeah. You hadn't seen any pictures of my legs at all. No. I'd only done top. Yeah. And you said, bring some shorts. I was like, do you want me to put my shorts? And you said, oh, just drop your trousers to see whether it's, it's worth it. to look like, yeah. And you literally, you lost it with my legs. So the rec fan popping and the veins were all over. I was like, fuck, he's shredded. Fuck. I've not been like shredded in ages. Fuck. <laughs> I, felt, I felt tiny though. But 18, 89 kilos is not tiny. Like, I, I, don't worry, I'm in the exact same wavelength as you. Because I sit around the one five one ten margin most of the time now. Whereas if I was to diet down and get like shredded again, I would be hovering around that 90 kilo mark. And in my head, I'd be like, don't dip under 90 kilos. Don't dip under 90 kilos. Yeah, I was 105 kilos in my sick form at school. So, <laughs> exactly. Like, being 89 was ridiculous. That's I just felt. The first time you were, so that was the first time you were. Under 100 since. Since you were 18. Yeah. Poor. That is, that is impressive. That is impressive. What was it? It felt really weird being... Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. What weight you sit at now? What's, I don't know in terms of kilos. What are you stone-wise? Uh, almost, well, well, until you made me go on a diet the other day. <laughs> I was about 16.10. 16.10, yeah. I don't know what that is. In Fair. I'll do it now, quickly. Mm. But I'll go through. I like you... 234 pounds. 234 pounds. Which is 106. I've got. I've still got a bit of weight on you. Just. <laughs> How long's your diet going to be now? Well, I started at two four four, and I'm now two forty. So I will. I will assess as I go. Um, well, at some point, we'll do a yo-yo where you'll then be bigger than me. <laughs> um, but yeah, now we'll see the guy. I just want to get. I don't want to get shredded this time. But it's just getting myself back down to a, to a reasonable level where I'm where I'm comfortable and happy to to maybe like like to do a couple of sort of decent topless topless shots and stuff like that but not getting stage shredded again i'm not doing that for a while that was that was hell um, what's the difference between photo shoot shredded and stage shredded so it, it's, it's really it's not a lot right it's not a lot but it's just it's just a phrase that sort of like i use and chris uses and stuff like that but to really place highly at a show you have to be very very low percent body fat like very low like you're you're around your five percent which is disgusting to be at it's not fun to sit at that level of body fat percentage i did it i think for a day and i was like i can't just give me food i can't i can't fathom this like i can't it's horrible like just your body wants to shut down on you um so that's the slightly where photo shoot so realistically the photo shoot shape that we got to if we reversed we probably could have held for a while but because you're very similar to me and I was like, mate, relax, go have fun. It's Christmas. Enjoy yourself. It was Christmas. Was <laughs> we didn't reverse and we just kind of rebounded, which happened, mate. I'm the king of rebounds. Every time I've dieted, I've put on like 30 kilos in two weeks. Um, a slight exaggeration, which I mean, I've put on weight easy. Um, but yeah, if you reverse diet, a photo shoot level physique, you should be able to stay within a couple of weeks off. But a stage ready physique is just like, horrible level of, of condition that you've got to stay into. Um, 
but yes, that's the only difference. It's just, but it's just a, a different process where like, where, so from your start point to, to photo shoot ready, I probably wouldn't have recommended it to, to stage ready, but cause we've done the photo shoot, we could probably look at it. Like we wouldn't say, but like you could look at getting that level of condition more this time round. Trying to knock it off in a first shoot, you couldn't do. Like you couldn't couldn't get in that level position on the first time. Like I didn't for my first show. I got in a good nick, but not not like shredded, shredded. Um, but it's a learning curve when you learn to put your body in that very uncomfortable situation for weeks on weeks on weeks. Um, but going back to your tip, you know, complete digression, which I love. Um, but going back to your tip, I think what we had right at the start is why it worked, and that was. I really want my Sunday roast. I really want my Sunday time, that meal on a Sunday, right? And I was like, cool. As long as you give me 100% the other times, that Sunday, I don't want to know, like, like until it gets to the nitty gritty where I'm like, let's, let's behave a little bit. Have what you want. Enjoy it. Fill yourself up. Have a great time. And what we call that, it's a, it's a planned off-plan meal, right? Or a planned refeed. Something like that where you're getting a planned time off diet. The issue where it comes into is when people go off plan and have that so-called cheat meal or something like that, where it's not aligned with them in a, in a, in a dieting circumstance where I knew as long as you were a hundred percent for the whole time and you were like, I can be a hundred percent for the whole time because I know I've got this meal. I'm really, really looking forward to or this time, time of the week where I'm going to spend a lot of time with friends, family and have a lovely meal, lovely, maybe even like, meal dessert or two meals or whatever it is having that in your mind is a really good way to help you stick to the, the harder days is that what you found as well yeah but i also liked the element of planning so mm. even down to you prescribed the exact session i would do on that sunday morning yeah and the structure of the day is in if you train at this time you eat your post-workout yeah. And then you knock out your lunch or you knock out your evening meal. Mm. If you train at this time, you don't eat your post-workout, you go straight for the food. That mm. sort of stuff really, really helped me. Yeah. And then allowed me to get back on plan either for that evening meal mm -hmm. or at the very least that next morning. Mm -hmm. So it was just literally one meal. Mm. And also down to the structure of the food, you, you wouldn't prescribe the food, but you'd say go for a Sunday roast or steak and chips or burger and chips. Mm. avoid x y and z so i went knowing that i'd done everything i could and it wasn't going to affect my results mm. and that i had the full blessing of you and that i felt uh, less guilty i suppose and safe in the knowledge that i'd done everything i could mm. um i didn't never really acknowledge it as that sort of reward system at the end of the week i just felt that it was part of the plan and that everything had been covered off to allow me to do it but like, if we want to get into the, 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 the science around it, but not too deep, but stuff like that. But so the reason why burger chips, steak and chips, and potentially Sunday roast work, right? Because it's protein and carbs, mainly. You stay away from, obviously steak and potentially beef burgers got some fats in there, but it's not a lot. It's a lot of a carb-rich meal to replenish glycogen stores, right? And to give you a bit of energy. A, lot of, a big issue where people have cheat meals or off-plan meals when they go off-plan, they go for like pizzas, ice creams, and stuff like that. It's got a lot of trans fats, a lot of these bad fats that aren't really giving you the metabolic adaptation or the positive um, glycogen replenishment that you need from that off-plan meal, from that refeed meal. Where we were going with, right, mate, carbs. Like I want you to have a good protein source, so either 
like a good beef, like a good beef burger, not a Mackey D's. Like you go to good beef burger places, right? Getting a good solid Ag- Aberdeen Angus sort of like beef burger with then chips, sweet potato fries, that type of thing, and bun, and really carbon up to help, right? Like say replenish glycogen from being depleted all week. There's a lot of issue people make on these on these off-plan meals. Is they go for these these pizzas or these takeaways that are just full of these trans fats, which aren't helping them along the journey. So I think that's something we structured really, really well with that. Um, that helped you again, just get a better result. So I bet on those um, those Monday sessions after your Sundays, you were like pumped to the nines, weren't you? I honestly can't remember. I remember, <laughs> I remember actually being hungrier those Sunday nights. Yeah, you are oh, Sunday nights. You would have been. Yeah, after a car briefing because your body's got the, the taste for it. You're like, yeah, I remember that. that the metabolism is burning now. <laughs> yeah, that was the battle of um, trying to stick to. Can't remember what it was at that point, but say it was 150 grams of turkey mince or something mm. with veg that night. I was like, "Where's the rest of it?" Um, <laughs> but I knew that that was one of the I'd requested something in the day, and I'd yeah. eaten it and enjoyed it. And then the only way it was going to stay, or I'd get the results that I wished, because I, I want. I didn't know what it would look like, but I knew I wanted to have the best result possible and the best shoot possible. Yeah. Um, so I was determined to stick to whatever was put in front of me as well. Mm. No, which again, it's a mindset thing. Like, there's a reason why not everyone looks like like a cover model, a shredded, a fitness model. It's not every, there's, there's a reason why not everyone has six pack abs because it takes a level of discipline, right? There's a lot of things money can buy. Money can't buy discipline. Money can't buy a good physique. You get these surgeries, but they don't like you've seen some of that. That guy on Big Brother a couple of years ago had like surgical abs or something. I looked horrendous. Um, but like a good physique, money can't buy. And that's why I think it's one of the greatest assets a man can have. It's because it's it shows a level of discipline in, in him and a load of like um mental fortitude to to be able to to say no, to be able to go. I want to look a certain way. I want to feel a certain way. And I want to, I want to be this type of person. And that's why I really resonated with you when you were like, no, no, I want this result. Like I want this result. And sometimes I was like, mate, you're struggling. Like let's, let's get a meal in. Let's get a refeed in. Let's get this. You're like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to push through. And that's where the mindset thing of, of really pushing to get this epic transformation really came in. Um, any other sort of tips and tricks you, you, you would advise or you would give for anyone looking to embark on a similar journey? I think, um, I think you need the help of a coach. Mm-hmm. I definitely think the advice and also the decision-making element gets taken out. Huge. And I know, I, know, I know from my own point of view, I probably wouldn't have trained in the same manner just mm-hmm. because of personal preference, not mm-hmm. because it gets hard or anything. Just my go-to type of training would be more, I guess, a cardio type. You said, you said earlier, cross-fitty, high-intensity. Yeah, that, that sort of stuff would be my go-to and it probably wouldn't have produced the same results. I wouldn't have been able to retain as much muscle, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So having somebody tell me what to do mm. aided the process. Mm. I also liked the routine of the food structure. Mm. I'm not someone that would have coped very well with you setting calories and macros. I, I suck with calories and macros. Yeah. Too much freedom. Too much freedom. Um, I also think on the back of that coach bit, and it just happens to be that you're a good bloke and you get off <laughs> well. but I think I think the coach client relationship is huge Mm. mainly from a trust point of view in terms of there is no point paying for a coach and lying to them but if you've gone off plan or you're really struggling just say i can't do this or i haven't done this or i've done this Mm. instead 
Mm. And then it allows that coach to then either steer things differently, uh, manipulate stuff for the week mm. coming up, or to at least have a conversation, say, no, that's fine. It's not the end of the world. However, I need you to try and do this. Mm. And um, I obviously didn't know you to start with, but I thought, I'm doing this for a reason. I need help. So I may yeah. as well give it my best shot and tell you everything that's going on. And yeah. thankfully it worked really well. <laughs> yeah, it did. I think, that's I think that's something brilliant that I, um, I like as well. And it's something where with, with nutrition and physique, I always find it's an interesting topic, right? So uh, like, I claim, like, I'm, I'm, I'm in that cross point where I claim to be a manly man, but I'm really fucking not. Like I'm really not a manly man. I can't do DIY to save my life, right? So if a problem went wrong in my house, I would hire someone because it would take me too long to figure out or I try to figure out, get frustrated and just leave it broken. Right. Very similar with the world of nutrition, but people don't seem to think that way. Like people like you and I have spent a lot of money on my education. I've had a lot of years in it. You now have a successful online business. I've spent money on your education to learn how to, you've, you've walked the walk. You can talk the talk, but still some people go, no, no, I can do it. Don't worry. I've got it. I know I'm doing it. It's like, do you? Do you really? The other thing is I don't think people people want the idea of having abs or like the idea of thinking they can achieve it. Mm. But I don't think they really realise. And I'm not talking about sacrifices and stuff. I just mean making it a priority. 100%. So, and we already said that if you think about it in terms of a 30-day period, I'm already having four of those 28 days or whatever it's going to work out as not fully on a plan as such i'm not on a diet on, on that particular day yeah it doesn't have to be a hundred percent no i'm only eating chicken rice and broccoli no but let's put it into perspective now we're both dieting you've got a beer i've got a gnt yeah and i'm also on a shed load of calories to be fair yeah you are, you are so like, it doesn't seem like a diet so like there's different ways of approaching things mm. so i think the prioritizing stuff is things like planning Mm. hiring a coach, prepping food, uh, thinking about your food, what is actually going to help me achieve a goal? Mm. Not just, oh, I want to get six pack abs and it's going to be really easy. That's the thing I've noticed with people. Mm. Yeah, some people think it's easy. <laughs> it's not. It, just, it just requires a bit of thought. Like you were saying, if you want to become good at DIY, you have to spend an element of your time practicing, learning, and then developing those skills to be good at something. It's the, yeah, same, it's the same as eating and dieting and training. Mm. You have to acquire skill and knowledge and then put it into practice. Exactly, exactly. And um, that's why they're like, yeah, Patty a while. Like, did you ever do scouts when you were younger? Yeah. Yeah, I did beavers. I did beavers and cubs. Oh, you didn't do scouts? No. See, I did, I did beaver cubs. I even went to scouts. But like, I was the kid there who was like, just did not want to be there. Do you know, like the kid who was just like, I'm here because mum and dad have made me. Like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to wear this outfit. Like, and I wasn't paying attention. But now I look back and regret it because, like, the only knot I can tie is my shoelaces. I can't, like, I would be, I'm useless. If I got lost in a wood, I'd be useless. <laughs> like, not a clue. Um, but I'm very good at nutrition and getting people in shape. So, so I've kind of built it up then. Um, no, but I, I like this, mate. I like this, mate. It's a lot. Um, so let's go on to, on to your business then. What is going on with Front Row Fitness? What is the uh, what is the latest update with them? Where can people find you, and and what sort of stuff are you get up to at the moment? I, I hear some big things happening in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so hopefully 
uh, I don't know when this is going to get released, but from the date it is today, it'll be about eight weeks, I think, to the doors opening. So we're going to open our own facility. Wow, the front yeah. row fitness facility. Well, it's actually going to be... All that alliteration in one. Oh I think God. I'm going to go one step further. I think we're going to run with the front row fortress. Oh, stop it. Yes. That's, that's been thrown out there. So whether oh. it is that or not, by the time it comes, I don't know. But 100% it's got to be that. It's got to be that 100%. Yeah. So that is opening up and that is going to be a, a private, semi-private? Yeah, appointment only. So uh, whether you're coming in for a PT session or not, it's going to be appointment only. Um, oh, so, so hypothetically, hypothetically, I could go, hey, guys, I want to come train at 2 p.m. Yeah. and I book that slot. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty cool idea. I like that idea. Yeah. I like that idea a lot. So, and the premise is what we were, so what are we now? End of May, so we're thinking July? Hopefully we'll get in on a July date. So that's the plan, yeah. That is- Everything, everything's going in the right direction to be in for July, so. That is insane. And then if people wanted to get in touch with you to, to like have a look at your, where, your, where are you in, your Cheltenham? Uh, just outside Sirencester, so in between Sirencester and Cheltenham. Nice, nice. And where can people find you if they want to get in touch to find out more about Front Row Fitness and more about Matt Mullen, Front Row Best Fitness model Jordan Air? Best thing's probably on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, frontrow.fitness. At frontrow.fitness. Amazing. Right. As always, dude, lovely lovely talking to you absolute pleasure and we will 100% get more of these in in down the line uh thank you very much for your time today um and appreciate every single one of you listening if you want any more um information regarding going from front row to a fitness model then hit matt up at front row dot fitness on instagram or myself at coach wade foster and we'll speak to you next time peace Thanks. Guys, before we go, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for spending the last hour or so with me. I hope you've learned something, but more importantly, I hope you had fun. If you want to get more tips and tricks on how to look great with your shirt off while still enjoying that ice cold beer on the weekend, then go and click the link in the description and join my free Facebook group for all up-to-date information. Guys, I appreciate you for being here. I'll catch you next time.